Howdy, everybody. Shalom. I wanted to mix it up, but welcome <laughs> back to another episode of the Back Row Lessons Podcast. Yippee. I am so excited to be here. My name is Paul Davis, and this is my co-host, Nolan Meshke. And we are just so glad you could make it back again. I wanted to mix We're it ecstatic. up. We're ecstatic. I wanted to mix it up from the normal welcome, welcome. Like I said, I always <laughs> panic and never know what I'm going to say, but this time I did. We're all panicking these days. It's... It's par for the course there, but we're <laughs> so glad you're back for our fourth episode here. Uh, we are just having a lot of fun working our way to the colonies, the 13 colonies mm-hmm. in the American Revolution. I promise you we'll get there eventually. Mm-hmm. I was saying to Nolan before we came on, I kind of realized as I'm compiling this info, this is the uh, way I had wish I had learned about the American Revolution, kind of building <laughs> up to it. Normally, at least growing up when we got educated about the American Revolution. They skip about 120 years or so. Ah. They go from the Pilgrims to, all right, so war breaks out in 1776. Like, those two are connected. But <laughs> we're having a lot of fun Quite here. a few generations in between those, would you say? It's the same people. They lived 120 years in Boston, and then they were there for the breakout of the American Revolution they, and and the War of 1812. They're actually 300 ah. years old. They don't know about that. That's Ooh. the truth. Woo! That's the truth they don't. They, the U.S. government, doesn't want you to know that because the Pilgrims we can't handle the truth. Can't handle the truth. They don't want you to know the Pilgrims lived 350 years. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to start out! But we are so glad for you guys to be back. We uh-huh. are, we are gonna be having a fun episode ahead of us. Oh yeah. Uh, first off, we would like to say please and thank you to everyone that has rated us, left us a review. We beg you to do that. <laughs> we beg you. We beg you. Uh, helps us on the charts. Helps me. Not have to pay for therapy as well. So, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're going to have fun no matter what there. But iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, please listen to it. If you're enjoying it, we ask you, you know, what is your favorite band? I see over Nolan's shoulder, he has a <laughs> weird book of Paul McCartney songs, so it made me think of the Beatles. What you do? It's Paul McCartney. Oh, no, that's... Who the fuck is that? That is Christopher Parkening. He is a very well-known classical guitar player, like I think in like the 70s. Mo- well, maybe go, go for your favorite band or my mistaken with the Beatles, Paul McCartney. <laughs> What's your favorite insect? Uh, mine is none. So we'll move on from that. <laughs> I guess I like praying mantises. But uh, Beatles are cool. Beatles are cool. The ones with the giant horns that can like pick up mm-hmm. things, the rhino beetles or whatever. Yeah. Before we do the... Uh, warning, or before we do the whatever. I, disclaimer? Disclaimer, that's what it's called. <laughs> uh, I will tell a tale. Nowadays, in the schools, these children, they don't know the struggle we had to go through. Nowadays, YouTube is free. You know, you, you can access <laughs> it. You can look up whatever. We had to find other sources of entertainment because YouTube was banned through, you know, all of it in school. Mm-hmm. So for fun in classes, I would look up JapaneseBugFights.com. And they would have exotic bugs fighting in a jar, like in a tank. And uh, that's how we had fun in class. So I remember like going to the computer lab and looking up the Star Wars kid nonstop. Yeah. The guy with like the fucking one. like mop in the room or whatever. And people, that was like when, you know, the amateur animation was like on the rise and people just completely just a camera. redid that video in so many different ways. He 
got teased relentless for that video and yeah now, and now think about what being viral do, just does for your social life everyone wants to be around you yeah he, <laughs> he is probably eternally pissed but off. that was like before influencers and like yeah like, even but, viral yeah that was even, actually my cousin went to that high school oh really yeah <laughs> from i think it was ohio that's funny. if i'm wrong someone call me out <laughs> they've renamed themselves to the star wars kids and <laughs> their logos him but i guess disclaimer like you said uh all this true None of this made up. As much as I wish I could claim credit for making this stuff up, I'm not that talented. I just read what I see and rewrite it down and then try and tell jokes off of it. It's a sad story, I know, but <laughs> we're going to have fun with it. It's all true. It's all realistic. It's all real. So let's get into it as we like to say. We, we like back rubs. Lessons. Yes, we like back rub lessons. Well, what did you say? We can't make this shit up. Oh, yeah, that's our, slo- our that, slogan. Our, our slogan. Our slogan. Slogan. <laughs> there we go. If we, if we make it into a graphic design, it's a slogan. <laughs> Wait, is slogan a real thing? I, I bet some douchebag, you know, business marketing guy has said slogan yeah. <laughs> at some point in his life. I just had a stupid moment just trying to go for logo or slogan. That's it. Or... And you accidentally <laughs> spun yourself into a crypto bro. So, Woo! you know, this episode is not an <laughs> NFT. All right. Okay, Paul, so, where, where did we leave off Where last we time? left off did last... Did you already say that? Or? No, but I okay. can get into a wonderful <laughs> transition. Where we left off last time was in what would become New York. Currently, it's called nice. New Amsterdam, New Netherlands. They had just kind of got to the island, started to settle in the area. The Isn't Dutch... it called Old Carolina at this point? <laughs> oh, that, that's a little bit south of us. This, <laughs> it, right now, it's New 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 York, or okay. New 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 Amsterdam here. Uh, Wait, it, no, it's East Dakota, right? East Dakota yeah. there, yep. Yeah. No, East Dakota's <laughs> a little bit more northwest of this uh, here. This is actually South Ontario. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, we got there. One of the first non-native settlers of the area we talked about was a gentleman by the name name of Juan Rodriguez, Juan, uh, Juan okay. the, the Juan, um, <laughs> and they were landing in what would be ma- modern-day Manhattan, and that's where we kind of left off uh, today. Wait, so like, shit happened last time. Like, Sh- Yeah, shit happened. We were the people that tried to go through the oh, canal, yeah. but that wasn't really a thing. Very much so. Yeah, the man who got abandoned, Henry Hudson, oh, he yeah. has a river and a bay named after him, and he had two major voyages, so I guess that's a really great batting Wait, average. was he right? killed? No, he was, well... Yes, in the sense he was left behind. Ah, uh, yes. He was the one they put in a boat and then left, like, while they took a bigger boat, and they were like, later, bitch, <laughs> as we return, and then everyone died on their way home. Uh, so it was a, it was an interesting voyage there, but he still got a giant bay named after him. So it was a good story in the end. Nice. He, he, he lives on while the other people who returned home, they don't get bays named after him. And we just looked at a picture of that bay before we got on recording here, and it's giant-ass fucking bay. So today, though, no bays, or maybe a little mm-hmm. bit of a bay, but today... We're it's gonna be bay. It's gonna be baysome. I, get, I try to put <laughs> awesome and whatever, but uh, <laughs> we gave it both a go there. Uh, today, we are actually going to be following a secret agent. We're gonna be following the life of a secret agent secret. by the name Special Agent Peter Midnight. Oh, not Agent 355? 355, no. Do you no. know who that is? I just learned about that. Is he on Kids Next, like, codename Kids Next Door? No. She was a secret agent for George Washington. Ooh. I'll have to add that to my list and figure that out. Yeah. We'll do... Or if they want a bonus episode, let us know. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll dive into that. But also, 
dive into Codename Kids Next Door because that was a great cartoon. <laughs> um, so Peter Midnight. It was. It was. It was. It, it, the, the bald kid with the sunglasses. I always wondered, how are you bald at such a young age? He was way too intense. Way too intense, and that's why he lost all his hair. Uh, so his <laughs> that's his secret agent name, how he was actually, his boring name, his normal name, was Peter Minot, M-I-N-U-I-T. Uh, he was born in the 1580s. We don't, okay. we don't know exactly when, like every other guy we talk about. They're like, he was but here. Is he a new character for us? Yes. Okay. Yes. He is. So, yeah, he, he's born in the 1580s. We don't know exactly when. He is born to, we haven't talked about this kind of faith, but I'll go into it a little bit, a Calvinist family from what would be a modern day part of Belgium. Uh, now, Calvinism is kind of a branch off of Protestantism. So we're, we're going from branch to branch here. It's a going thing. Okay. Uh, Calvinism is a major branch that follows the theological form of the Christian practice set down by Calvin Van Hobbes. I was thinking the same thing. I'm just kidding. His name was John Calvin. <laughs> I had to get the Calvin and Hobbes joke out of the way right away. Dude, or else I was trying to gonna... sneak a joke in there, too, but I feel like, oh, he's going to really think I'm pushing it. <laughs> he's, I'm pushing no, it like the wagon. No. <laughs> Let's push this fucking wagon together. We gotta put, I mean, yeah, so... Collect your dead in this wagon. <laughs> in this wagon with your tigers and stuff like that. But no, his name is John Calvin. I feel like... Looking in retrospect, at first he hated being associated with Calvin and Hobbes, but he's like, it's probably driven up my numbers online and record, <laughs> record. Uh, now, I'm going to try and break this down as much as I could because I was reading some of the like theological differences between them, and even then I was like, what? Like, it, it was just very confusing, so I'll try and state as simply as I could. Mm-hmm. Difference between Calvinism and, I guess, other Protestant faiths it emphasizes the sovereignty of god and the authority of the bible and can sometimes be kind of synonymous with reformed protestantism so it's kind of tweaking protestantism i guess i don't know what you kind of meant by that to be honest with you like i said i didn't know what i meant by that either i tried sovereignty because what i was kind of like taught like in school one time is like is it like something related to future generations being aware of the past i guess or am i like off I feel like there's probably different definitions of it because, like, especially in the past week with what's ha- been happening in Eastern Europe, they talk about the sovereignty of a country. Yeah. And that's the ability to, like, kind of stand on its own and, like, protect its own. But I don't know when it says the sovereignty of God is God, yeah. God standing on his own. He's like, me and only me in this bitch. <laughs> uh, I guess this might be a little bit... Maybe this clarifies it. I don't know. Maybe we can get some comments uh, in form of and reviews. Just to, crit- uh, also, criticizing to us. give context, like today is, wait, what is today? March 5th? Yeah. Yeah. So if you hear this like a week later and shit gets real in Europe, just the heads up. Yeah. Whew. Uh, so Calvinists differ from Lutherans on ideas such as the spiritual real presence, not the fake presence, of Christ in the Lord's Supper. I guess, like, getting communion i guess i don't know okay uh theories of worship the purpose and meaning of bas- baptism and the use of god's law for believers among other things like i said i tried to figure that out there but i'm not a good christian <laughs> okay like i'll i'll give you an example of how not a good christian i was you probably remember this but in high school for confirmation or whatever yes the play i had yep i had yep. to do a confirmation play and I tried I to there. Bo- I I tried to bomb the audition on purpose so I wouldn't get a good role. But instead, they gave me the titular role of playing <laughs> Satan in the play. Ah! 
Uh, I don't know what about me gave off satanic vibes. Didn't but like, they like record your voice? Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, they pre-recorded and my you were voice. you like, Judas. Judas. So yeah, they told oh, me to my, pre-record it. I they still added, remember that kid that was crying right in front of me. My, <laughs> not only was it that, I also didn't have to wear makeup because I had a mask on. Yeah. Like a, a giant weird robe thing. And my sequence was I like pulled a noose out of my kind of sleeve oh i don't remember that yeah that was like my move like i pulled i remember the, the your noose. whole black cut up you were like a dementor pretty much yeah i pretty much looked like a dementor and then i pulled the noose out of my hand like and <laughs> then it was like really scary music and then kids started crying yep and yep. that was the best part uh so that, i just remember you told me i'm like you're like a demon I'm, i have to see this it, it was like and that church was known for that play too yeah it was like a big deal like it there's a lot of people in the area that like go to see it and yeah it's like their thing they do every year which keeps people going to the church and signing up and giving money and probably all that bullshit and i i, I just gotta say it the mm. guy who played jesus a little bit of an ego, a little bit of an ego. <laughs> i think it went to upset uh so all of this like branch of religion calvinism came from uh, the institutes of the christian religion which was john calvin's most famous work which okay. was on the systematic theology, or work on system, systematic theology, some form of fucking theology, whatever, <laughs> regarded as one of the most influential works of Protestant theology, and it was first published in 1536 when John Calvin was 27 years old. So I guess the expectation for me and you before we turn 28 is we have to get our followers of the show to develop <laughs> into a religion. So we got to be on par with John uh, John Calvin. So, you know, rate, review, and share. You know, let's get it out there, buddy. <laughs> uh, now, uh, the big thing about—so I just mentioned that because it's at this time in Europe, who, what kind of religion you were born into pretty much determines how life is going to happen for you here. Mm, okay. And Peter Midnight's secret agent, at this time, Calvinists and Protestants were not very welcome in the Spanish— controlled parts of the Netherlands where they were living uh, at this time. And this kind of prompted his family to move to Weissel, Germany. His surname means midnight in French, Minat. Okay. Uh, and this part of Belgium or modern day Belgium is primarily French speaking. So from now on, I'm just calling him midnight because Peter Midnight is a fucking badass name. Like that's up there for it. 1609, uh, Father Midnight, Johan, Johan or uh, sorry, Johan, Johann, Johannes. Johannes. Johann Midnight. That sounds like a porn <laughs> name, I'll be honest. Johann. Wait, that's actually his name. I mean, it's J-O-H-N. Johann, Johann. Johann after midnight. midnight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's his theme song. He, he wrote those down. Uh, so he dies, forcing Peter to take over management of the household and the business. So he's kind of pushed into being... Where's the, this business and household in? In Germany. In Germany. Weissel, Germany. Are we talking about Germans now? Just a little bit. Just okay. like kind of where he's growing up. Just a wee bit laddie. Yeah, I mean, okay. the area around Germany and Dutch and Belgium and like all of Central Europe uh -huh. is a... Like the borders we see are pretty recent, so there's a lot of like ethnic groups of German speakers in another country or Dutch speakers in another country. Uh, it's, it's okay. very much how people complain about in uh in africa oh they just marked down lines and they didn't really pay attention to native groups pretty much the same thing happened in fucking europe that's yeah. called alsace for lorraine now in weissel the german city mm -hmm. uh mr midnight here peter midnight 
had a very good reputation. He would help the poor of the city with goods. Uh, at, quote, as in the time of the Spanish occupation, there was a lot of poverty in the city. So he would help out with the poor, uh, even though he's a successful business owner. Most likely in 1624, Peter Midnight left the town of Weissel. Quote, at that time, the formerly wealthy Han City sank into economic and political unimportance. More and more cities left the city, or more and more citizens left the city heading north. So it's like people wake up and like, man, this city is just unimportant as shit anymore. We got to leave. We got to move. <laughs> uh, Peter's wife at the time, Gertrude Raditz, uh, R-A-E-D-T-S. We're going to be getting into some weird last names, by the way. I'm going okay. to try, try my best. I don't know what it is with the Dutch and weird spellings of last names, but it's interesting. It's like they're trying to sneak a name, like sneak a word in a Scrabble competition. Like, no, no, no. There's three J's in that word. I know it for sure. Like, okay. that's a triple <laughs> word score right there. I see it. Like, they're like, <laughs> add another E. Oh, yeah, that's a double word right there. Um, now... Peter's wife, Gertrude, at first went went to stay with her family uh, in the city of Cleves, which, again, calling back to season one, is the land of Cleves. The land of Cleves. Well, that's where the word cleavage came. No, (laughs) I wish. (laughs) That would be great. No. uh, You mean Cleveland? Cleveland. Yep. yep. Uh, No, this is the same Cleves as Anne of Cleves, who was Henry VIII's ex-wife that survived. So... Same same region, same area. Okay. This woman, he's like, oh, man, Henry knew what he was talking about here. Uh, Peter enrolled on the list of directors for a meeting of the Dutch West India Company in Amsterdam, so kind of a trading company. Uh, I saw it phrased as this, quote, Peter joined the DWI probably in the mid-1620s. <laughs> 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 uh, and I kept seeing it repeated as the DWI, and I'm yeah. like, oh, my God. So he walks in drunk, and he's like, I can totally drive home tonight. <laughs> But wait, what is this, though? This is the Dutch West India Company. <laughs> so it's like a colonization company, but just how the how the initials work out. It's yeah. the DWI. Mm-hmm. So everyone has to take a shot as soon as they get in <laughs> and as they leave. Uh, 1625, midnight here. He is sent on a mission by the DWI to make sure the cops are all good and they can all head home safe. No. Okay. Uh, he's sent on a mission uh, to New Netherlands. Uh, I kept seeing it referred to as either New Netherlands or the New Netherlands. Okay. I, I got confused by that, I'll be honest. But, but this is America, though? Yeah, this is the okay. colony that we kind of ended on is yes. Okay. where modern-day New York City is going to be located. So what I'm thinking is, and correct me if I'm wrong. You're wrong. No. <laughs> but it's just, you know, all these greater countries from Europe are just, you know, when, if they can, are just trying to, like... Get to America, figure it out, look what it looks, get what it looks like, see what the whole shit's about, and then kind of start claiming different parts of it. Very, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, exactly. And There's, what's, what's Spain doing at this point? Are you going to tell me at another time? Uh, at least for North America, like, what would be come the colonies that break away from yeah, we the talked America. about them in like the bonus episode right in yeah the other episode they were a lot more concerned with pretty much all of south america a lot in the caribbean mexico and okay. then the furthest point north at this time would be like florida maybe southern california at this time they had a lot more on their plate that they pretty they pretty much got the first digs that in okay. portugal so they're kind of what they're looking at is colonies for or for plantations and so shit are like. all these countries that are not spain kind of just trying to stay away from them because they did a good job at first kind of getting 
Uh, it's not so much doing a good job. They're trying to stay away because they want their own territories to take Okay, from. not to be too close or whatever. Yeah, they were like, oh, Spain's down there. Let's go up here. Uh, oh, okay. And trying to profit off whatever they're trying to do there. So Because like if they get too close and they actually like expand out, like a few generations or two, then they're already like getting closer together. Yeah, and th- that will be a thing we kind of get into in like an episode or two of when these expansions kind of run up close to each other Ooh, is that happened. like in the near future like a hundred few hundred years or something uh so we're currently in 1625 uh, okay less than 20 years <laughs> wow we're getting close to it so Damn. i'll yeah we'll explain here but so he's instead of just like so they're expanding along the border yeah right? they're, they're trying to figure out what's e- the the best territory that they could possibly get and they're a lot of it is just along the coast like settlement here settlement here settlement here because they don't know what's in the interior and it takes a long while to get there so they're like okay fuck it uh you know what we would do if we travel back in time what just you know travel back in time and 16 whatever you just said Mm -hmm. take like one like you know 20 feet one way on the beach or wherever we land and then another 20 feet and just mark the lines and just go perfectly west. Just straight. <laughs> just start like just logging it off. Keep walking, keep walking. <laughs> it, this was actually one of my favorite TV shows, and it unfortunately got like changed and then canceled. But what? Uh, it like it's called How the States Got Their Shapes. How did it cancel? Oh, I remember. That. Okay. Yeah, because it was on History Channel and it actually provided real history, so it got canceled real quick. But <laughs> the first episode, first or second episode, they talk about how one of the like one of the borders for wait what the guy from that show wasn't he like from sunny in philadelphia yeah, as he's a lawyer the, yeah he's the lawyer from that's Alaska. oh that's i remember you talking yeah, about that okay really, <laughs> he's really really funny Sorry, that was a really loud wait i love that though but i was gonna mention <laughs> that thank you but so what they did is they realized like this treaty for i think it was like tennessee or something but they put it at a parallel but mm-hmm. where they marked it they didn't have exact equipment so they figured out that the real border is like a mile away from where it is currently like okay. where it actually is so they were walking along the like legitimate line the legitimate line like what would be the real border okay. and it cut through someone's house and he like goes to the person that owns a house and like ma'am do you know that you're actually living in two states right now and it was just <laughs> it, it was so funny where it's like they just keep going straight and they're like oh fuck but all right back to this whatever <laughs> uh so he sent across the ocean to the new netherlands uh, he is there to search for tradable goods other than animal pelts. The big thing at this time was trading for animal pelts to bring back to Europe. They wanted to find out if there's other valuable goods that they could bring back along with the animal pelts. Yeah. And that's what Peter Midnight is sent to go here for. Okay. Uh, he is successful in this mission and, and is so successful that he's able to return in the same year. He's like, fuck that. I'm not staying here. And 1626, he's appointed by the DWI to be the governor general of <laughs> the, the new DWI. Netherlands. I know. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> it's so funny that it's just... Fuck uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> Let's come prouding and drunk together. <laughs> and the most impressive thing is how they were able to get there with the captain just being drunk 24-7. I mean, <laughs> they, they're transporting it across the air. There is water in my blood blood system uh, no 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 there's water in my alcohol there's system. water in my alcohol. <laughs> he's just chugging rum the whole time here no 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 what i meant to say there's blood in my oh, alcohol system. In my there we go there we go the, the dad t-shirt i love it uh so he is appointed to become the governor general of the new netherlands after he's appointed by this he sails back to america or whatever 
you want to call it at this point. Okay. And he arrives in New Amsterdam on May 4th, 1626. Nice. Uh, and may now, the fourth be with you. May the fourth. Yeah, he, he, laying, he, he did the thing to mm-hmm. him, and they're like... <laughs> uh, now, this brings us to... I kind of hinted at it at the end of last episode, but I'm doing my best to debunk or bring clarity to a very famous history trope when dealing with American history. Uh, and okay. that is the deal for Manhattan, how they purchased the island here. Okay. So uh, what are you clarifying? So I'll come to it, but there's a big misconception that the I- entire island of Manhattan, you can think about how big it is, yeah. was paid for to the natives for a very cheap amount. And I'll explain how it's a little bit more complicated than that. Like basically someone said... Um, this happened and they took advantage of other people and you're like no 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 it's not just that yeah it's a little bit more complex and i'll get to it it's actually a lot funnier than you think so 1625 construction starts on the route of fort amsterdam so it's new amsterdam is the city fort amsterdam is like the military fort there okay it's it's protection i can remember that yeah it's (laughs) It's like when there's like Singapore, there's the city of Singapore and the country of Singapore. It's there in the same <laughs> fucking place. Uh, but this was, so yeah, it was on Manhattan Island, but then it was kind of later New Amsterdam in modern day. And again, I was telling this to Nolan off the air, but for this episode and the next episode, every time I found a location, it was contextualized by the modern day neighborhood in New York that it's located next to. Wait, what? Yeah, so this one is... Uh, it said it's uh, Fort Amsterdam on Manhattan Island, later called New Amsterdam, located by modern-day Lower Manhattan. So <laughs> ev- everything is going to be related to New York landmarks. So okay. if you listen to maybe like a 90s New York rapper, you might hear some name drops of this <laughs> of shit. That they're like, oh, shit, shout out New Amsterdam. But uh, so, yeah, he's at this uh, fort, the 1625 establishment of Fort Amsterdam at the southern tip of Manhattan Island is recognized as the birth of what would become New York City. Woo! So say they go back to 1625. Still haven't been there. Last time I went there, it was for a day. So I didn't mm. I didn't really spend a lot of time. I went there for a concert with Michael. So oh. we didn't really get to spend too much time there. Sure, it was still fun, though. Oh, it was a very... It was whirlwind, but it was a lot of fun. But yeah. I, I couldn't see, like, everything I would want to. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so... I had one. What I want to do is like establish these big cities in America that are relevant to the revolution. New York City is going to be the first one, and then Boston and Philly as well. Ah. Uh, So, this is kind of New York City. It's the oldest one, unfortunately, as much as I hate to admit it. Um, Now, the main function of. Wait, why do you hate to admit it? Because I'm from Philly. There's always a rivalry. Oh, yes. I keep forgetting that. It's a whole East Coast thing. uh, I shouldn't forget that because it makes a lot of sense. It's my damn accent. Uh, (laughs) The main function was military but the fort also served as like a trading place they, they also military also trading everything here okay it contained barracks for soldiers a church uh, a house for the west india company director and a warehouse as well for company goods so you could store things there um fun i guess fun fact i don't know going back d wallstadt literally walloon street or as we know it today Wall Street goes back to this time. Nice. There are varying accounts of how this famous street got its name. Uh, two normal, well, like what the are first Walmart was there? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Waltons walked out and said, "We can ravage everything here." Uh, actually, the first game of wall ball was played by a bunch of teenagers against the school there. No, 
Did you ever play wall ball? Oh, I had to think about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I still owe someone a tennis ball for I remember, it. like, I threw a rock at the building, and I, the teacher asked me, Nolan, what possessed you to go through your it, head to throw that rock at the building? I, I think I remember that. <laughs> I remember one throw going a little high, and I threw it on top of the building, and everyone stared at me, and I still owe that guy a tennis ball. <laughs> uh, but, so, there's... <laughs> Two, he's still waiting for he's it. He's still waiting for it. I was actually, I think I tweeted at him like a day or two, like a few days ago. He hasn't been active on it in like two years, but I was like, hey man, I still owe you a tennis ball. Still waiting <laughs> on that reply. But uh, there's two conflicting explanations for how this name came about that would eventually become Wall Street. First, Wall Street was named after Walloons, the Dutch name for uh, a Walloon or a person from Wallonia. That's where mm. Midnight is from, being Wall, W-A-A-L, like I said bad spelling among the first settlers that embarked in 1624 were 30 walloon families and and they said balls to the wall balls to the walls uh actually no they said from the window to the wall uh and then peter midnight here he was a walloon as well so that's one explanation the other explanation is the name of the street is derived from a wall or kind of a wooden palisade on the northern boundary of the settlement built to protect against potential attacks from, I saw it listed as Native Americans, pirates, or the English. So <laughs> choose your enemy right there, the Native Americans, <laughs> pirates, or the English in general. Um, what what so a qualified, what, what a group right there. Ah. A thousand million Native Americans, some pirates, and the English. There you go. Uh, even before we get to that deal I've kind of been talking about, and I'll go through it, mm-hmm. uh, that I saw, I described it here, I was getting personal, uh, that everyone thinks that they know uh, the very basic details of the infamous sale of Manhattan Island are not fully understood. So the transaction itself, it's not fully, you know. Like everybody's getting it wrong. Yeah. Even us. Exactly. (laughs) No, not except for us. We got it right. We got it right here. No, uh, it's, it's gone on for so long. It's been so long and there's so... I mean, it's so hard to get these exact things that we'll never know for sure here. But the exact date of the transaction is not fully confirmed. We know that it happened after Peter Midnight got there in May and that it happened before summer. Uh, so the estimates is sometime in mid-May 1625. So even we don't know the day. On the side of the Dutch, because the deal is Native American groups and Dutch settlers. That's who is going to sell Manhattan Island to each other here. Mm-hmm. On the side of the Dutch, we know that Peter Midnight is leading the negotiations along with a few other kind of important Dutch colonists here. That's one side. Side A. Side B, on the side of the Native Americans, we have really no idea who actually was there. Uh, quote, this was, yeah, let me, this quote was a totally illegal deal. A group of Brooklyn Indians perpetrated the swindle, and they had no more right to sell the Manhattan Island than the present mayor of White Plains, New York, would have to declare war on France, end quote. So what? The big thing is that the group that they were talking with, the Native Americans that were talking with the Dutch, Mm -hmm. more and more research is coming out that they didn't actually live there. They were rivals of the people who lived there. They sold someone else's land. Okay, and it gets, so it doesn't really matter to begin with. It's an illegal deal because it would be me selling like your neighbor's house to someone else. I don't, okay. have, I don't have the right to do that. Though. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, historian, and I guess he had a lot of other roles, but Nathaniel Benchley argues that Midnight was dealing with the Carnassay, a Lenape tribe mainly occupying southern Brooklyn, again, 
using contextualized okay. modern day with Southern <laughs> Brooklyn. So you have to put a Brooklyn accent on this, led by a chief says says or say says, uh, quote, the Carnese were happy to take whatever the Dutch were offering. So because they're kind of a illegal party here, they don't really give a shit about what they're getting. They get a benefit no matter what, even if it's a dollar, you know? Okay. So okay. that's a big thing. Uh, the the Canars, or Canarse, C-A-N-A-R-S-E-E-S, they were the Long Island branch of the Algonquins who only had the southern tip of what was now Brooklyn. So every listener here, picture a Long Island new accent, like New York accent, and apply it to a Native American here. That's what? Because the, no, <laughs> they're Native Americans <laughs> yeah. from Long Island. Hey, whoa! <laughs> this fucking deal! I love it! Uh, no, that was just New York. I mean, I'm not that intelligent. God, <laughs> I'm researching goddamn tribes. I can't have time to look up the specifics of different New York accents. I'm sorry. Okay, no, let's back up a little bit. Yes. Um. So who are the main characters we have discussed in this episode? Peter Midnight. Peter Midnight. So far, all he's done is he's come to America. He's uh-huh. checked it out. He did well. And he's been he's come back and he's been appointed to lead, like, be governor of this Dutch colony. Yeah. And now he's in the middle of buying a large piece of land in the area here. Okay. That's where we're at here. Wait, wasn't his name Johannes Midnight? That's or? his father. That's it. That's, okay. Yeah, that's his father. That's right. Yep. That's so why we Pe- sung it. Yep. That's Peter. Uh, Peter's the, the guy we're talking about Okay. Here. So that's the Carnese are the tribe that they think was at the deal, but doesn't actually own this land. Okay. Uh, Benchley, that historian, claims that this is because, okay, Wekwaskik, Wekwaskik, okay, this is not on me. This is you, you at home listener, after I spell it, you try and pronounce this out loud. W E C K Q U A E S G E E K S. I have to see it. Yeah, no, it's Wekakwaskike, but they are a Wappinger tribe. I can say that. Okay, can I give it a try? Yes. Okay. Wekakwaskike. Oh, I see. Okay, Wekakwaskikeeks. Yeah. Okay. That's their specific name. One more time. Damn it. Wekakwaskikeeks. Okay, you want to like say squeaks or something. Okay. Yeah, it's the G-E-E-K-S at the end that it... Yeah, but the, so that's their specific name. They are a Wappinger tribe, which is a little bit more general terminology for the tribes oh, okay. in this area, like Wappinger's Falls and stuff like that. So they're a Wappinger tribe. They're mm-hmm. the ones that actually owned or what you could say occupied most of Manhattan Island. They were the ones that should be the ones dealing with the natives, but not they're not there. Okay. Uh, the tribes found on the island surrounding the area in this whole area were of Algonquin origin kind of going back to episode one where we talk about the three major ones here. Mm -hmm. Uh, As we have kind of also mentioned in episode one, episode two, episode three, and probably a lot more episodes, uh, there's not this idea of a unified Native American side. Mm -hmm. They were just as much enemies with each other as some of Europeans here. Yeah, I even remember, like, learning that, like, when civil like you know conquering like i guess america or is it conquering settling whatever you want to call it yeah same words um the beef with each native american tribes they had each other was stronger than what the white people on the land so the white people would give their favorite tribes guns so they can just get more of their land knowing that they would probably get that land later we can get into that yeah and maybe this episode at least not this episode next episode there Mm -hmm. uh and they were not always allied with each other 
and they kind of sought to sometimes fuck each over each other over just yeah. as much as they were. Uh, this was another quote I found. Quote, their only real worries were the occasional and unexplained epidemics that decimated their numbers and the periodic raids that the upstate Mohawks made to collect overdue tributes. So besides everyone dying and people that come from the north to destroy our town, everything is paradise here, man. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. Amazing. Wait, didn't they say like people were dying of disease or something? Yeah, epidemics. And because isn't is, that just because the white people came with their own diseases at this time? Yeah, because it's oh, been a okay. few hundred years. It's spread around. Uh, another quick quote here: "Quote: All the tribes of the area shared a common belief in a world after death, ruled over by a single great spirit or Manitou, great and, spirit, great spirit, <laughs> and their heaven was a precise place. Where where would you think heaven would be located?" Give a, like, there's always these ideas. Where do you um, think it's located? It is a sunny day. Sunny day. At a Chick-fil-A restaurant at Cedar Point. That is great. But I don't eat chicken right now, so. I, you're there for the fries and the sauce. So you're and probably not. childhood you, memories. You're probably not going to the great spirit heaven, which they say is to be precisely located possibly near Trenton, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> you I, just died everybody's spawning there like minecraft what the fuck <laughs> yeah the person in trenton dies like i'm going to heaven what the fuck i'm in the same goddamn place what the <laughs> hell right, the title of the episode might be heaven on earth comma trenton new jersey <laughs> <laughs> i like that i like that um now in my notes i made a joke there's the stereotype of the dutch with wooden shoes. That's a very common stereotype. Oh, right? yeah, I forgot about that. So I made a joke in my notes saying, you know, sometimes the natives fought, sought to fuck each other with her over as just as much as the newly arrived wooden shoe wearing Dutch wood. But then I read in my notes this quote, quote, there, the Native Americans, first view of the Dutch's wooden shoe, for instance, was the cause of no end of giggling and general merriment. And since the Dutch were under strict orders to be as nice as to the natives as possible, the untowed incidents were reduced to an absolute minimum. They arrived in America and all the Native Americans started to make fun of their shoes. <laughs> ah, they would point so and great. laugh at the Dutch's shoes when they arrived in America. I mean, even people today are still do, like, still why, why do you have wooden shoes? They, like, <laughs> they come up so to the negotiations, like, I offer you this, and <laughs> look at this fucking shoes. Like, like, they were I already have, like, a problem getting, like, water getting in my shoes because we live in Minnesota. We, it constantly gets, like, freezing and, like, slush <laughs> yeah. nonstop. Your shoes always condense And then, like, here. but wood soaks up moisture. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You, and, you know, a good clog. You can never turn down a good clog. Uh, <laughs> That's great. They just made fun of them. Yeah, they made fun of their shoes well, and they the Dutch like, were on this twat. <laughs> the Dutch were on orders to be as nice as they could so they ah. couldn't respond to like oh yeah where's your shoe like they couldn't reply yeah. to the insults which was just so fucking funny here uh <laughs> now setting up a colony in this area of the world was actually kind of dangerous by the Dutch they were kind of a gamble here okay uh, they knew that the French and the British that were kind of surrounding this area already had colonies and were pretty big Okay. And they would not be pleased at the establishment of another colony in the area, specifically the Dutch, if they're not really allied with them. They're not a big fan of that. Uh, okay, when you say they're in the area, that got me thinking yeah. about it. Like, are they, at, like, down, I don't uh, know what to call it, the shoreline or border? Or yeah, are they actually so inland? They're both. Uh, they're starting to move inland, so 
the English have Jamestown and then a few colonies in Mass. what would become Massachusetts, like okay. Plymouth Colony, so Pilgrims. if the Dutch went inland, would they run into them possibly? Of Depends on, on right how now? they kind of get there. At this point, it's just like in the area enough yeah. that they see each other as, oh, we want to expand in that area, but they're already there. So it's a little bit of that where it's future expansion. Uh, the Dutch also knew that they didn't have enough strength to stop an armed invasion by these larger nations. You know, they are a small little, uh, very new country, while France and England are a thousand years old at this point, and, you know, England and France. Uh, the Dutch, though, thought that if they had paperwork from the original owners of the land, the natives, showing that they had bought it from the the brought it from the Dutch instead of the British or the French, those countries might hesitate before starting any trouble. So you can't invade me, sir. I have paperwork. You know, that that, uh, that was their policy. They were like, if we treat the natives kindly, we get their signatures, yada, yada. Maybe they'll deal with the legal shit and we can get a little <laughs> bit of a fight here. Midnight here, Peter Midnight, was instructed to make a legal purchase of the entire Manhattan Island and then, you know, therefore did what he thought was the logical thing he asked the first group of Native Americans he saw. Really? Legitimate. He saw the first group of Native Americans in the area. I was like, can I buy this from you? You know, that <laughs> that is what is happening here. It's so, not like, who's your leader or anything? Who yep. should I talk to or he, whatever? Maybe it was who's your leader, but the first band of Natives he saw, he was like, I would like to buy this island. Who should I talk to here? Okay. Uh, now, this is the part that everyone thinks that they know, which is the price that Manhattan Island was sold for. Okay. The long story goes, or the long story told short goes, that the natives <laughs> sold the entire island of Manhattan to the Dutch for just $24 worth of beads and, quote, trinkets. Hmm. That's the number that's always said, $24, and it's beads and trinkets. So I'll break that down a little bit here. Uh, it goes a little bit further than that. In 1846, we're jumping ahead here, Okay. New York historian John Roman Broadhead Whew. Wow. I'm I like sorry. that name. Broadhead here. Yeah. <laughs> Broadhead with the real facts. Is that a good porn name? What do you think? Broadhead? I could see that. John Broadhead. You yeah. may change that first name, but Broadhead. I could definitely see that. Like Brody Broadhead. Johnny Broadhead. Johnny Broadhead. Yeah, that's Johnny Bravo's <laughs> porn name. Uh, he converted the figure of what was said to be uh, paid into $24. So what he was taking was what they said they traded for, and he priced it out to $24. But that was in 1846, that $24. Mm -hmm. So it's flawed. would that be today? <laughs> I'll get into it. It's flawed on multiple ends for us here in 2022. First off, that $24 from 1846, mm -hmm. when he published his findings. So if we would want to just use that at face value, $24, we would need to calculate for inflation, mm -hmm. which is now $876. Okay. So a little bit more, not a lot for an entire island. Yeah. But the big thing is... People say Broadhead incorrectly calculated the conversion between a Dutch currency that they used at the time, uh, but or I'm sorry, that they didn't even use at the time, only at his time. Okay. Would so, that even matter? It would. It, okay. How they like price out uh, old empires and like stuff like that, they have to use the conversion because they use things like gold or like a okay. same value thing. Uh, so he used so a different... there's two different conversions now, right? Yeah, so he used a conversion for a Dutch currency that wasn't being used. Okay. And at that time, what it was was two and a half of that Dutch currency to a dollar. So he just did simple math, just whatever that price was times two and a half. Uh, okay. 
very high level of financial calculations going on here. <laughs> uh, newer works on estimates for the conversion rate to modern day prices range anywhere from $72 to over $15,000 that were was paid for or the equivalent of. Mm. So they didn't actually trade fucking currency. They didn't, you know, like here's 20, here's two, you know, $24. Here you go, sir. Okay. Like how do they actually pay for it? It was an exchange of traded goods worth an estimated 60 guilders. That was that currency. That guilders. Guilders there. Uh, they were bought with or for beads. And so that was one component was beads, like bling. And then this mental image of trinkets. That was the other thing I mentioned. Okay. Not really trinkets. What they most likely actually traded for were European-made tools. So <laughs> shovels, axes. That could be like different. Yeah. Exactly. So when we say trinkets, we think of toys, mm -hmm. weird, you know, ceremonies. But they could take those and replicate them if that's not in their society yeah. at that but, point. But when we say tools, it takes on another uh, life for what the trade takes on because it's not yeah. just that monetary value. It's like you, what you were saying, what could we use from it? What could we replicate mm -hmm. from it? Exactly. How, how much more farming can we get done with that? And even if like you don't know history too much, like Native Americans really adapted to our technology throughout history. Yeah, they bounced. Well, yes yeah, so now like, okay. <laughs> uh, and I mean this as a point, which is you shouldn't focus on the money amount. That's okay. not what's important. That's what I kind of was saying. I don't want to, I want to push that idea uh, out because okay. when people focus on the money amount, it dilutes what everyone is talking about here. Okay. Focus on what was traded and who it was made. So it was kind of like knowledge in a sense? Yeah, it, a little bit of knowledge, but also we have to keep in the fact that the people who were dealing with it, who got all of this, mm -hmm. didn't even have the ownership to the land. So had I said, like I said earlier, this was all profit for them. Okay. They didn't give a shit. They mm -hmm. were rivals with them. Uh, this is almost the entire collection of evidence that we have for this entire transaction for the island of Manhattan. Wow. Get ready for it. Quote, they have purchased the island Manhattans. It's Man Manhattans. It's the old Manhattans. Name. Manhattans. Like Smeagol. <laughs> Smeagol. Uh, from the Indians for the value of 60 guilders. It is 11,000 Morgans in size. Uh, Morgans is a large fat man, and they just had 11,000 of them. No, <laughs> that was their size. It's about 22,000 acres. So that's the entirety of the evidence. Is that two sentences about that. And that was coming from a letter <laughs> written by a Peter Janshun's Shkong. Shkong. I don't know. That's the sale of Manhattan. Uh, now, this is way less famous of a story, but because it's right in the same area, it's the same island. But Peter okay. Midnight is also involved in the purchase of Staten Island, which is mm. now still part of New York, which as well, and kind of ironically, is a lot more well-documented. So the less important, less talked about <laughs> island has way more documentation. But, you know, that's just how things fall. Uh, th this is where, like, a lot of the basis of what we think was traded for Manhattan comes from because of what was traded here. It was the same time period, same kind of relative trade pretty much mm -hmm. uh things recorded recorded to have been traded were duffel cloth iron kettles axe heads just listed as hoes so <laughs> either think of farming equipment or a uh, very salty woman uh wampum which was kind of a local thing uh drilling all so a drilling setup a thing i saw quoted or described as quote jew harps 
which I'm scared of looking what that would be on Google. So I just kind of avoided that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and wait, Jew harps, Jews harps, which I, I think I might've like looked it up and it was some <clears throat> industrial thing, but, and then the last thing listed was quote, Diverse otherware, so other shit. Okay. <laughs> uh, it is thought that the Manhattan trade would have consisted of similar wares being exchanged. So that's why I mentioned it. Same guy, okay. same period, same place. Mm. Um, under the command of Peter Midnight, the New Netherlands, New Amsterdam colony grew steadily. Productive buildings like mills and trading places were all built and expanded in the colony. Nice. The population grew to almost 300 people. Wow, they're really popping, aren't blowing they? Blowing up there. Uh, he also introduced democratic measures in the colony during Woo! his time. Yeah, in, six, in 1626, he posed a plan to establish a body to the governing general, nice. uh, like an advisory body that okay. would be a council of five members who would advise the governor uh, and would kind of jointly with the governor, develop, administer, and put in bodies of laws to help govern the colony. Okay. Uh, kind of a similar... So they're like, oh, we're going to settle here. Yeah, it's not, it's not just one crazy dictator screaming orders out at everyone. <laughs> in addition, he proposed the institution of pretty much what we would call today as an attorney general to enforce the laws on the books. So Oh, nice. The ideas of attorney generals can be traced back to at least 1625 in America. Okay. Uh, but, it, you know, it's not it's not always 100% amazing democracy because Midnight appointed himself to become the highest judge in the colony, <laughs> both in civil and criminal affairs. Like, I'm the king judge here. Yeah. Uh, the port... I'm the captain now. I'm the captain. <laughs> uh, the port of New Amsterdam became a major trading hub between North America, the Caribbean, and Europe, kind of connecting the... So three. is it basically this is for... Right now, they're just using this for trading. A big portion of it, okay. yeah. It's not we're making a new world. It's we can bring back a lot of money back to okay. Europe through so trade. For you last, for where you last lost, ugh, left off in the sentence, how much time has passed when people first landed to make this civilization? Uh, Kind of less than 20 years because they got there after 1600 here. Okay, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's this is still like the late 1620s here. So it's pretty kind of like so, it's only 300 people, but it's a big shipping Relative well, they weren't ever. killed off for yeah, they weren't, some yeah, mysterious yeah, reason. Yeah, they, they people are like, what if we go to that other island? Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Let's, whoa. <laughs> but like, this sounds like, okay, like, if it's, you're a person that just was one of these people that's helping put build this up, that would be so cool. You wouldn't even, you don't have a, a clue of like how. I, yeah, I would much rather would be a Dutch settler than an English settler because they're regularly helping each other out this okay. time. And well, that, I didn't even like, I didn't even mean by like which country. No, no, it's I just know. being like a person that's yeah, just like. It's an interesting thing in the world thing. at this time. Oh, yeah. I totally feel that. Yeah. That's awesome. That's until exciting. You dive, until you dive dysentery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> until you get scurvy. Uh, raw materials were loaded here, such as pelts, lumber, and tobacco for transportation across the ocean back to Europe, while European-made goods were brought and kind of alongside other things to be sold here. So the fine goods they were bringing back. Okay. In 1629, the Dutch West India Company, the DWI, again, <laughs> DWI company here, um, uh... established the Charters of Freedoms and Exemptions, uh, which was kind of a, at this time, it's the colonies technically a Dutch colony, but more so it's ran by the Dutch West India Company. So it's a company's colony at this point. Okay. There's a very blurred line between what is what between the Dutch Republican government at this point and who's taking over the 
colony here between the company here. Okay. So a little bit of it is it's a company colony. It's a little bit of a national colony. So it's a little bit weird. So that's why they can pass these uh, establishments. Okay, that's fascinating. I would have no Yeah, so that's also a big difference between this and the English company colonies are. They had various companies doing this. This was like the national company doing it. So like, okay, yeah, they had a lot invested in this. Uh, so 1629, they passed this Charters of Freedom and Exemptions. Whoop, whoop. Uh, whoop, whoop. Yeah. The, quote, the economic situation of the colony of New Netherlands in the late 1620s could be considered a fairly good showing for a colony only newly started in a wilderness. So it could be considered. You could make an argument that it's being run well at this point. <laughs> Uh, The slow growth of the American colony was not enough to create excitement among the directors of the West India Company, kind of compared to other operations that they were going for, like the Spice Islands and kind of places along that Mm -hmm. route. Uh, It realized that the greater incentive, like they had to have a greater incentive to be offered to increase the interest and development of the colony. They had to entice people to move there and kind of expand it and make it a larger, more profitable thing. Mm-hmm. It was declared that any member of the company who could bring to and settle 50 people over the age of 15 in the New Netherlands will be granted a kind of a plot of land to hold as a, quote, patroon, or would be very similar to an English lord. So wait, that would, that would be their deal? Yeah, so if you could bring 50 people to come and settle in New Netherlands, and they come there you would be granted a big plot of land and you could run it. That sounds horrible. Yeah. I mean... (laughs) It's a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing here. Uh, The Patroon, the Lord... I mean, like, overall, it sounds like a great idea, but, like, how are you going to, like, convince 50 people to leave? Like, that's the big thing is how, (laughs) how, what are they going to do? Now, the Patroon would be the chief magistrate of the land. They would be kind of head honcho here. Uh The size of these land grants would differ in size based on the location being claimed so that totally won't lead to any problems whatsoever between (laughs) people feeling envious uh it was not a full free range for new settlers so it's not like it's just the wild west or anything it feels like they're winging as they go as much as they can but so as you were asking what could prompt them to come here uh Mm -hmm. tenants would be free from all taxation for 10 years so 10 years of not having to pay tax is a pretty good thing here um, but they also had some restrictions during this period. They would not be allowed to change from one estate to another or move from the country to a town. So you were kind of settled there for at least 10 years. So you have to be there. You can't go back if you like, yeah, out. you, you can't, can't dip out. Yeah. You can't just hop out and, you know, switch patrons or whatever. Okay. Uh, you stick with your patroon. God damn it. <laughs> at least one quarter of the 50 colonists would have to be settled within the first year of the land grant. And the rest being settled within three years. So you can't just say, oh, yeah, I got 50 people coming. Give me that land over there. You actually have to have people coming with you for this kind of shit here. (laughs) Uh, Apart from the purchasing of furs, because that was a big thing is the fur trade here. Settlers were free to trade with any nation or colony. And that was actually a wide, like a explosive idea. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You are trading with the French and the English. What the fuck are you doing here? (laughs) At least in the context of the New World. They were pretty monopolized. You had to trade with whoever. Oh, really? Yeah. And that would last for Spain for a few more hundred years and why why they fell apart. But that's another story. Um, The fur trade was still a monopoly of the Dutch East India Company, which was this kind of same company here, uh, as it was the most profitable investment at the time. So the fur trade was a monopoly because it was Oh, the country or Europe? 
for the company back into Europe. The whole colony, the most okay, profitable thing was the furs. So they're like killing it. Yeah, literally and figuratively, they're killing it. Yeah, <laughs> it being animals. But um, other things they had restrictions on. The weaving of clothes was also prohibited in order to supply the looms in Holland with their needed supply. So you had you couldn't order. American-made clothes, you had to order European-made clothes to keep them in business there, <laughs> which kind of sounds like a bitch if you rip your pants, but whatever. Uh, the rules in the charter would dictate how people would go about settlements and the standards for the colony, so laws and rules. Patroons, the lords, would be responsible for erecting barns and other structures, preparing land for farming, in addition to supplying the initial farming tools, vehicles, and livestock. <laughs> I know we don't normally side with, like, lords and these wealthy people, but that's a lot you have to put up. All right, mm-hmm. you're going to pay for the land, the tools, the animals, the vehicles, all of it. I want the nicest porta potty on my farm, <laughs> goddammit. Um, also, they bore the responsibility of hiring a minister, so like a Christian minister, as well as a schoolmaster, a schoolmaster, so they had to pay for the school, as well as financing both a church and a school when they became needed. So, so it, if you want to invest in this plot of fuckery you have to do all that in exchange for trying to get 50 people to america and like getting a plot of land you pretty much have to pay and build a fucking town for yourself like that's really what it was so it was that's like a big difference between i feel like the dutch government and other governments at this time Mm -hmm. is like there's a big responsibility on the people instead of like the government paying for yeah responsible in that way um however it wasn't all one-sided towards the tenants. The tenants would be due to pay rent in addition to a percentage of what they produce. So farmers, they had to give a bit to the platoon. Uh, to the di- company or whatever? Yeah, to the patroon. To so their not work. only do they have to like pay a bunch of money? Oh, no. This is to the patroon. The patroon making that money back. Oh, okay. Yeah, the the pat- patroon's the one that's, that's trying to like gaslight 50 people. Yeah. To, like, okay. <laughs> hey, I built a town. I'm just assuming you have to like convince people to yeah. get into like, yeah. something that they're not really fully aware of. Yeah, you have very much been like so much, so much money is coming out of this yeah. fucking new world. Because if you're going to be like straight up honest with them, I don't think anybody's going to do this. That or they have to be uh, pay a lot of fucking taxes. Okay. Like, oh my God, 10 years <laughs> free. Uh, but yeah, they would pay rent and additional to a percentage of what they made. Additionally, no farmer could sell any goods without first offering it to their patroon or lord. So if you wanted to sell something first, the patroon had first dibs, pretty much. Legally, I have first dibs on all of those apples you just grew, dude. (laughs) First dibs, legal. Um, Once the patroonship, so the whole town, whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, became a profitable enterprise, they were expected to share their net profits with the tenants. So this is a weird equitable, like equality like thing. Like, yeah, it's a weird union shit, but it's a very interesting way to start it out. Like, all right, you're partially a lord, but you got to pay for everyone. And once things are going good, you're not going to make any money. You're going to share that fucking money. <laughs> okay, so we're on the same page. Yeah, it's a it's a weird equality thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see how long this lasts. <laughs> Foreshadow, sorry. <laughs> we need to find an old advertisement for this. I'll actually try and find to see if there is anything of that, because <laughs> this is the time of, like, early, 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 early newspapers. I think they start in the 1400s, uh-huh. 14 or 1500s. Okay. Uh, article 26 of the fucking charter thing, uh, the Charter of Freedom, whatever, uh, states that the patroon, quote, must safe, or not safe, must satisfy the Indians of that place for the land, end quote, implying that the land must be bought or bartered for from the local natives and not just taken. 
And that was a big departure from everyone else who was like, oh, yeah, if we're here, it's ours. It's, it's fucking <laughs> ours. And that goes back to the Dutch wanting to, like, if we have the paperwork, it might stifle the British from invading us long enough to, like, make sure we win this war. Yeah, so yeah. It's a weird, calculated, <laughs> but respectful thing. It's a weird thing. It could throw them off if we're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> it, it gives us two weeks. It gives us two weeks. 1632, a few years after this goes through, the Dutch West India Company suspends Peter Midnight as governor of the colonies <laughs> for reasons that are still kind of not fully clear. It is thought he had either knowingly... I, this is what I saw... I'm hoping for funny bullshit. He had either knowingly or <laughs> unknowingly helped landowners engage in illegal fur trade. So either it's like the is it illegal because they weren't selling it to this company that said they you were have like, to sell it through us? Yeah, or not paying taxes. What it's the I think it might be casino or Goodfellas or whatever. We're on the quotes. Either he knew he was in on it or he's too stupid to know. Either way, I don't want him next to it at all. <laughs> this is the equivalent of that. Uh, but yeah, he had either knowingly or unknowingly helped landowning patroons engage in illegal fur trade that broke the company's monopoly, which is a big bad thing, and enriching themselves against the interests of the company. And like I said, this the company controls everything in this colony, so okay. going against the company, no, no, bad. <laughs> um, now, Peter, I'm not feeling this company. I'll be real. Not a lot of people. It are. makes sense of how they're doing it, but it's like you gotta like. If you're going to make us so much money, you'll make more if the people on the land are making money, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unless, unless, unless like, you're in the yeah. red, calm down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Peter, he is brought back and he arrives in Europe in 1632 to explain his actions for mm. the illegal fur trade. But he was dismissed from his position. Uh, he is dismissed from being the governor. However, this is the Dutch we are talking about, a burgeoning capitalist nation. He was not killed or exiled. You know, the British, if you steal from them, then probably will, you know, throw your head on a stake and mm -hmm. set you on fire or what have you. <laughs> um, instead, he became a free agent. He's on the market. A and free what? A free agent. Oh, I thought they said Asian. Asian, a free Asian. Free <laughs> That's Asian. impressive. What yeah, he, <laughs> he transformed himself. It was crazy. So he's a free agent on the market. He has expertise. So where does he go first? Where does every man who has just been fired from his work go? England close he goes to his in-laws home he moves in with his in-laws he moves that was in. good he moves in in cleves with his in-laws for a few years <laughs> he moves out of amsterdam to a small village in 1634 okay um, however he still is keeping in contact with people who because the dutch have this weird thing colonization isn't like a national effort it's a business it's an industry yeah. so he still has contacts in the colonization industry the people who are how i had mentioned henry hudson had sailed for other people there are these free agents who who's paying me the most to go on this expedition next he's in mm -hmm. that kind of world a friend of his named william whoa uselinks u-s-s-e-l-i-n-x uselinks <laughs> again dutch okay dutch mm -hmm. weird words uh a friend so william who had also been disappointed by the dutch dutch West India Company, like what they were doing in the colony, uh, kind of got Midnight's attention to the effort of another European country that's looking to colonize the New World. Mm. That country is, of course, Sweden. Oh, okay. Sweden, yes. Now we we move over. We're no longer going to be making fun of the Dutch and their <laughs> words. We're going to be making fun of the Swedish and their words here. Now we introduce a new colony, 
New Sweden. Nice. A better Sweden. I couldn't have guessed that. Yeah, wow. <laughs> really creative with the names here. So we'll get back to Peter Midnight real quick. I'll just give you what Sweden is up to. You mm-hmm. know, We have a lot of stereotypes, at least here in Minnesota, of what Swe- the Swedes do, but uh, <laughs> let's break them now. At this time, in the middle of the 17th century, it's called the Realm of Sweden, which okay. just, just sounds like a, like a, a fantasy video game Mm. the realm of sweden oh should i just move my notes (laughs) that's how hard i go here they're the realm of sweden and it had reached its greatest territorial extent it's a giant nation and was considered one of the great powers of europe it was one of the most powerful nations in the continent here under and a few of these names we actually will probably recognize just being here in minnesota because everything goes Wait, back to this. really under king gustavus adolphus oh like my the God. fucking college yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then his daughter christina sweden ruled at this time including obviously sweden modern day finland estonia parts of russia poland germany and latvia so it's a big hunking colony it's or not colony i'm sorry kingdom it's a big fucking nation here Mm. as they see the other great powers in europe start to turn to the new world for these colonies the swedes sought to expand there as well as they wanted to create tobacco plantations and a fur trading colony to circumvent circumvent french and india english merchants that is not a bad business plan yeah tobacco and fur trade at that, that point. yeah they, they had a little bit better of an idea than the english you're like fuck it let's just land fuck yeah it. let's go <laughs> fuck it uh so 1626 the swedish south company is founded with a mandate to establish colonies you know you like we said mm-hmm. you, you want to have a good idea you know a little uh, um what kind of pressure would each country have to, like, get there from the other countries? I mean, you probably want to get there as fast as you can, but you don't want to fuck up and, you know, not have a good colony. But yeah. So mm-hmm. the South Swedish or the Swedish South Company, they have a mandate to establish a colony. I was going to say, like, you need a good range, like a, where are we going to hit? What, what's our target? What's mm-hmm. our goal? They're going to establish a colony between Florida and Newfoundland. So, <laughs> Newfoundland, fucking four thousand miles. All right, we're gonna find somewhere in that area to find a colony <laughs> real quick uh, for the purposes of trade. Particularly, where they end up focusing on is the Delaware River area. So, a little bit south of New York, okay, where Jersey and Delaware is. Uh, and the company here is made up of shareholders of investors from sweden as well as germany and the netherlands so like i said it's not just one country one colony it's it's let's invest some money in here Mm. the company the south i keep wanting to say south swedish but it's the swedish south company uh (laughs) would sponsor and send 11 expeditions uh in 14 separate voyages over about two decades so they actually gave a shit and was regularly resupplying these people here oh nice and unlike the the british where i was like fuck it like they learn yeah from, like, they're the learning fr- they're learning like all of europe kind of starts to learn from the british the spanish okay their troubles with so, and probably their own i was like mis- thinking like mistakes. either like they're such a good country that they could do this on their own like you know first try yeah. well have everything <laughs> well planned out or they yeah like you just said they just learn from the british. everyone builds off of each other pretty okay. much so but they all learn from the british pretty much i would I haven't seen anything definitive, but I mean, it would be ignorant to say like, 
they weren't aware of the failed colony yeah. attempts and they didn't <laughs> learn from it. So December 1637, the first Swedish expedition to America sets off from the port of Gothenburg late in the year with who else leading the expedition but... Nathan Drake. Exactly. Oh, Tom really? Holland, right there. <laughs> nope, Peter Midnight here. Uh, this was a quote Wait, I... Wait, actually though, like yep, Nathan... P- is it Nathan Drake or something? Francis Drake. Francis Drake. Now, I... I want to figure out what Francis Drake is up to at this point. No, it's Peter Midnight. He's leading the expedition. Okay. Quote, Peter was still disgruntled over his 1631 recall to Holland and, quote, not quote because we're already in a quote, and was willing. (laughs) We got to go deeper. We got to go deeper. A dream within a dream like Inception. (laughs) And was willing to retaliate against the Dutch by working for the advantage of the Swedes. So he's a pissed off ex. He's like, I'll fucking help out whoever. Fuck. I want to. <laughs> the primary ships that were used, oh God, okay, were the Carmel Nickel, not spelt however you would think that would be spelled, <laughs> no matter what you're imagining, wrong, commanded by a Jan Hendrickson von de Water. I guess that's a fitting last name for a sea captain, von der Water. <laughs> oh God, is that spelled with a V or a U? Both here. And the other ship was the Fogel Grip, captained by whoa, Mons Nilsson Kling. And the Mons has the A with the little circle that you see at Ikea over certain yeah. words. That's that. Le- so, okay, so, so I got a little distracted with you trying to name the stuff. What's going on here? So he is, Peter Midnight is leading an expedition of two Swedish ships. Yep. One called the Carmel Nickel and the other one being captained by a dude named after uh, an Ikea love seat. So they're leaving towards North America. I know. That's the only way I could describe it, like a love seat. So shortly after leaving the North Sea, or not the North Sea, I'm sorry. Shortly after just leaving, they encounter a severe storm in the North Sea, right off the coast of Scandinavia up there. Okay. And had to divert to the Netherlands for repairs. And Peter Midnight's waving awkwardly. Hey, guys, do you remember me? You know, I'm not Dutch here. After a short delay, though, the fleet departs on New Year's Day, 1638, and they arrive in North America in March 1638. So Fun! So about a three-month uh, voyage here. March 29th. Not so fun. Not so fun. Yeah. March 29th, not so fun. Or no, three months. Oh, three months, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about that yesterday. What do, like, besides the normal chores you have to do on, like, a voyage of the ship, what would they do? Like, what <laughs> would they do? Just sing? I don't know. But March 29th, 1638, mm-hmm. the Swedish fleet lands at what is now known as Swedes Landing. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Not Ooh. Swedish Landing, Sweden Sweet, Landing. Well, Swedes Landing, because there, there are a bunch of Swedes <laughs> Landing here. They really had to think on that one here. Um, some on the voyage objected to the, the landing here at Swedes Landing, but, quote, Peter Midnight ignored them since he knew that the Dutch were militarily weak at this moment. <laughs> it's always good when your captain just ignores your advice. I yeah. love that here. Uh, now, Swedes Landing was a rocky point on the Minaquis Kill, which okay. uh, the Dutch word for river or like creek is kill, spelt exactly K-I-L-L. So you, oh, you see cool. a lot of weird names in the area. There's murder kill, stuff like okay, that. Okay, quick recap. So yeah. the Dutch are doing all right or poorly, but They're the doing are, all right, but the Swedes are doing now- better. En- no, they're entering the game now. Oh, they're, they're, they're entering the game. This is their first okay. attempt at a colony. So that's where it's Swedes Landing. Okay. So they're on a tributary to the larger Delaware River. 
quote, they landed at a spot along the river at a stone outcropping, which formed a natural wharf known as, quote, the rocks. Wow. <laughs> wow. They, they dug deep for that name right there. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, now, this was not a random landing point in the area. Uh, quote, with map in hand, Midnight showed the Swedish government where he thought the boundary lines of the French, English, Spanish, and Dutch colonies were. I think it's in that area right there. Um, in between England's claim to Virginia and the Dutch's claim to New Amsterdam, Peter Midnight pointed to a vast amount of land from the Naquist Kill, the present-day Christina River, up to Sanikin Kill, present-day Trenton, New Jersey, where heaven is located, as we know, um, <laughs> that was currently unoccupied. The land between those two points and along the banks of the Delaware River was chosen as the place for Sweden's colony. So he's purposely putting himself, putting this new colony in between two other colonies to kind of play off them, pretty much. So oh, he's purposely going in between two colonies. That's like a high risk, I feel like. Exactly. And how either they could work in your favor if they don't attack you or mess with you. Yeah. But once they mess with you, you're kind of screwed and next episode we'll find out how that works out for them mm-hmm. how we don't speak swedish or dutch right now how we're speaking <laughs> english spoiler alert i guess but yeah no <laughs> how we had mentioned earlier other countries or other empires at this point were trying to avoid and get their own land he's like let's just go in between them. fuck it what are they gonna do i'm really curious to see how this plays out because <laughs> i'm not even sure if that's a good idea or not uh, they disembarked here and met up with the local Native Americans to purchase the land. So they kind of learned this from the, uh, the Dutch. Midnight and his Lenape translator, Andre, Anders Lukensen. Thank God. Shout outs to the Swedes for ending everything with sin. So we know it's son and it's just a dude's name with the last name instead of the Dutch where it's like. So shout out to the Swedes for that. Uh, where they met with Matterhorn. Uh, whoa. What is it? Lucas met with Matterhorn, Mietesmint. I guess that's a native. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. These are na- five local Lenape chief names. So we're just going to dive right in. Matterhorn. What's going on? So these are five, five five Lenape chiefs that the Swedes are meeting with to, bu- to buy this land. Okay. And they're, they're a cover so, band. They're a the cover Jackson band. Fan. Big Jackson five, five fan. Yep. So the first one is Matterhorn. And they're like, no, there's a mountain back okay. home. Okay. The name. That's cool. Uh, Mita Cement, Uru, Pakin, Mohohin, and Chiton. And I probably butchered all of those names, so I'm sorry. But <laughs> uh, so those were the five local Lenape chiefs, and they purchased 67 miles of the Delaware River, centering around where they had just located, mm-hmm. and extended as far west as, quote, the setting sun. So that totally won't be, you know, a problem if the sun moves at all when we're mm-hmm. on a giant rotating planet in space. But whatever, you know. Ironclad argument right there. <laughs> With title in hand, the Swedes begin to build their first outpost, Fort Christina, named after the 12-year-old queen regent of Sweden, Christina. So she gets a fort. Very nice here. This would be the nice. first permanent European settlement in the Delaware Valley and would become the center of the new Sweden colony. Wait, it's the first European? Wait. First European settlement in the Delaware Valley. Oh, so okay. I think it was like episode or two ago where we mentioned how uh, De La War, the guy who eventually would be named for De La War, De La War, he only set up expeditions. He didn't. And that's actually where Delaware come, come from. Yeah, though? he didn't settle anyone there. He only set up expeditions. So yeah, the, it became the center of the new Sweden colony. 
in the following years, uh, the area was settled by around 600 Swedes and Finns, mm-hmm. a number of Dutchmen, a few Germans, a Dane, and at least one Estonian. So they're like, we got one guy from Estonia here. Mark that down. Do we know if there's two? Nope. We just know that there's at least one here. So <laughs> that's how small these colonies are. They know people bit by bit, pretty much, mm. uh, person by person. Uh, after seeing the initial construction of the fort and the colony pretty much going well here, uh, Peter Midnight decides to depart the colony by early summer to kind of eventually get back to Europe here. But first, he's going to take a kind of trip down to the Caribbean to barter, you know, make his voyage profitable, as we know. Uh, what he brought with him to barter were things like salt, wine, liquor, and he hoped to bring back some tobacco. So Sounds like a good time. Yeah, exactly. He's just party right there. I usually get off with the salts, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it's bath salts, we're getting real crunk yeah. tonight here. <laughs> uh, so he sailed to the island that was at the time called St. Christopher, uh, but today mm. we know it as St. Kitts. It's oh, like I think Car- I say St. Croix. St. Croix. <laughs> the St. Croix River, he came in here. Uh, now, I'll give a quick, quick, brief history of St. Kitts because it's pretty weird. Uh, brief history here. Before Europeans on this, it's the Caribbean island, by the yeah. way. Nowadays, it's part of St. Kitts and Nevis. Those are the two islands together here. Okay. Uh, before Europeans had been home to the Arawak, the Tano, and the Carib people at various points, and they kind of would invade, kill off the people that were there, and then take over. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, the first European to see the island were the Spanish under Christopher Columbus. Mm-hmm. On his second voyage in 1493, he first named Saint the island here San Jorge. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, guess who? Nathan Drake? Yes. Or close. Sir Francis Drake. Ah, yeah. <laughs> mentions visiting St. Christopher Island in 1585 during Christmas. I, I, I don't even plan to mention him in every fucking episode when he comes up. <laughs> I swear to God. Then, also another reoccurring character, 1607, Captain John Smith stops here in the area. So the guy from Jamestown there. Yeah. He's back. Wow. Uh, he stops for five... Wow. We're fucking... <laughs> uh, he stops for five this days. This is like a re- reunion episode. It really is in a weird, dumb way. <laughs> But it's just this one island. But he stops here for five days on his way to finding the first successful attempts in Virginia. So literally on his way there. Smith documented the many hot springs in the area whose waters had remarkable curative abilities against skin ailments and bad health. But could kill you, though. Pretty much, At yeah. some places. If you go in there too much here, mm-hmm. yeah. 1620, Ralph Merrifield and Sir Thomas Warner received from King James I of England here, mm. a royal patent to colonize the Leeward Islands, so a whole chunk of islands in the Caribbean here, mm-hmm. including what would become St. Kitts and Nevis here. Merrifield and Warner formed the company Merwar's Hope. That's a stupid name. I thought you were going to say Murdaugh. Murtaugh. Uh, I'm not even sure where that's from. <laughs> Murtaugh? That's from uh, Lethal Weapon. Murtaugh. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but they realized that it was a stupid name, and they renamed it the Society of Adventurers. I love that. Yeah, that sounds like a, <laughs> sounds like something that Indiana Jones would fight against because they want to you know, keep the, the very mystic artifact for themselves (laughs) uh so the sir warner arrived on saint kitts in january 1623 saint kitts saint kitts kitts k-i 
TTS. So okay. that's what its modern day name is. Okay, so not St. Kate's College. Yeah, it's not St. Kate's. We have a lot of <laughs> stupid name places in the area here. But it, he settled there on 16, January 1623 with 15 settlers. Uh-huh. So that's 1623. 1625, a French captain, whoa, Pierre Belain de Isnubach. I'm not even going to try and spell that because it's stupid. Mm. But a French captain here uh, arrives on St. Kitts with his crew of 40 Frenchmen. They had escaped a three-hour battle with a Spanish warship near the Cayman Islands. Okay. uh, And just wrecked on the island pretty much here. Two years later in 1625, Warner and the French captain split the island in four quarters with the English controlling the middle half and the French having another, the other half pretty much. Mm -hmm. By 1635, this is where things, this is where it takes a little bit of a darker turn, but by 1635, the number of slaves on the island had grown to over 500. Both powers then proceed to colonize the rest of the islands in the Caribbean, the English and the French, with their bases located on St. Kitts. Mm-hmm. So the point of operation for these two fierce rivals of the British and the French mm-hmm. are the same small island in the Caribbean, which is really fucking bizarre. Like they both sprouted out. From yeah. There. So I just thought that was weird how everyone came here and eventually the British and the English were like, what if we just split the island? You, know, <laughs> you get half, I get half. I feel like that's not what they would usually want to do. Yeah. If they had done that for everywhere else, like a thousand wars wouldn't have happened. <laughs> Like, actually, actually, though, that's the sad part. As much as that is a joke, it's what happened. Mm. Um, as European, as the European population on the island continued to increase, local chiefs grew hostile to the foreigners and began to plot their elimination with the help of other Carib peoples. Mm-hmm. However, a native woman named Barbie, like B A R B E, Barber mm. Barbie. I don't know. I like B-A-R-B. I like Barb because I imagine a middle-aged mom. I feel like it would just be Barb. Barb. All right, Barb. Hey, Barbara. Yeah. <laughs> Barb informed both the English and the French leaders of this incoming attack, and they decided to uh, t- take action here. Okay. So she snitched to both sides. Uh, the Europeans acted together, uh, the British and the French, by getting the natives intoxicated at a party before returning to their village where 120 of them were killed in their sleep. The following day at a site now called Bloody Point with a ravine known as the Bloody River where over 2,000 Caribs were massacred. When the place is called Bloody Point, yeah. you're not asking for a good good history right yeah. there. I mean, we can blame the French and the English, and we should, but we should also blame Barb for being a little bit of a snitch, you know? Yeah. You loose lips sink ships. Damn it, Barb. Come on, Barb. Uh, so, that's my grandma's name. Don't shoot lip. That's my aunt's name. Yeah. I hope she's- Don't bring it down. Sorry, Barb. Uh, so that's just a, a brief uplifting history of St. Christopher's <laughs> Island right there, ending on a massacre. But getting back to the time period we're at, 1638, that's when uh, Peter Midnight is there. He okay. arrives at the island. After doing some trading on the island there, Midnight is invo- invited on board a Dutch sloop ship, which is just like a kind of ship. Yeah. The Flying Deer by an old friend of his that was anchored off the coast of St. Kitts, like they legitimately old friends ran into each other at this colony, at okay. this trading port, which is really weird. Peter and his old pal, Vindegard Hart, wow, Vindegard, that's an awesome <laughs> name, uh, were inside. It sounds like he's like 
He's, like a like a solitaire card or something, or like Vindigar. a deck of cards. Like he's like one of the Canes or Jacks. <laughs> I saw a wrestling character, Vindigard Hart. Yeah, he, the Vindigard of Hearts. The Vindigard of Hearts. <laughs> I love it. So they were inside the flying deer, eating dinner t- with each other. Okay. When things outside started to change at the at this point, mm. at this time in history, and probably for the next three hundred or so years, there was really no existing hurricane tracking methods. And at this point, a surprise hurricane appeared off the coast of the island here, forcing all the ships out to sea. Forcing them all out to sea? If you're close, if you get out on the ocean and away from a hurricane, the water isn't as wavy for you. It's not as dangerous. So they were trying to get away from it. Okay. In the chaos of fleeing the hurricane, while still aboard the flying deer... Peter Midnight is separated from his Swedish vessels, like his fleet that was going to yeah. take him back to Sweden here. Uh, in the chaos, the flying deer is swallowed up by the waves of the hurricane. The flying deer? That's the name of the boat. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. With Peter Midnight and... I don't know if like the storm was so bad that the, there's just the flying de- yeah, deer. Yeah, the flying deer's here. Marlins <laughs> will soar and I definitely draw. didn't deers think will that. Fly. Like... <laughs> and you will fly. Uh, with Midnight and Villegard Hart never being seen again, presumably drowning in the wreckage of the flying deer that sunk off the coast of St. Kitts. Mm-hmm. So the, the reason why I called Peter Midnight a secret agent is he, you know, went first. Oh, I forgot about that. He's a secret. <laughs> agent. He, he did what he want, he what he needed to do for. Is his he company. really a secret? He's yeah, because doing he, shit. he became a double agent. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And this is probably the best ending to a secret agent movie is valiantly dying with a good old friend on the ship as you were returning home. Mm-hmm. That's some James <laughs> Bond shit right there. They could track that. Uh, so he dies in that. His So he dies off the coast in the flying deer. His ships, though, are safe. They make it there. His ship, the Kalmar Nickel, still made it back to Sweden without Peter Midnight here. The journey, though, was not smooth, as, again, another ship sank off the coast of the Azores, and another one just arrived without a mast. So I don't know how you lose that. Like, <laughs> was the wind too strong, and it just took it away or whatever? I don't know either. Me neither. Uh, back in Delaware, uh, back to Delaware, doo-doo-doo, um, <laughs> the duties of the governor of New Sweden were passed on to that other captain, Mons Nilsson Kling, Ikea loveseed guy. <laughs> Until a new governor was selected and arrived from Sweden two years later. Because okay. it takes a long time to figure that shit out there. Now, the loss of this return voyage, which had a shitload of supplies, money, yeah. and importantly, the architect of the colony, Peter Midnight, uh-huh. uh, who they really saw as a big, strong leader, that going down would go on to cause unmeasurable damage to Sweden's colonization attempts. They really tracked the... Not everything that will cause Sweden to collapse, this colony to collapse. They don't track it all to Peter Midnight, but had he been there, they might have been able to negotiate things there. So with that... Wow. That's all I have That was incredible. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. So what we are going to talk about next week is the crash course that New Sweden and New Netherlands are on right now. Now I'm just like really taking in Peter when you Peter. mentioned that, like the double agent thing. Like, he is a double agent. Yeah. That's the thing. At first now I really joked, taking in, yeah. I joked like at first how, like I was researching both these colonies because I wanted to talk about both of them in one episode, but then I realized, oh my God, one guy worked for both of them and yeah. like pretty much established both of them. And the fact that he bought 
Manhattan. Yeah. And then also establish this colony for another country. I was like, oh my God, he's a secret agent. He's no, but like, that's the thing. Like you, you mentioned that at the beginning of the episode and I didn't really think twice about it. I'm just kind of like at this point, getting, I'm just like not questioning too much of what's going on. Me because neither. like, don't question. You have to like, it's just so much happens in like a little amount of time. And then like so much happens like, you know, over a long, over, yeah, it's there's, amazing. There's, it's incredible. It's in goes, but so yeah, next week is going to be, was He's, he like reprimanded any like for betraying in yeah, the first place? Yeah, the Dutch. That's how he got fired. Is, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. but after that. Oh, um, are we gonna learn about it? No, I mean he, he's dead now, but uh, well, yeah. <laughs> but no, like by the Swedish, they were excited to have him because they knew how successful he was and what he had done there. Okay. So he, just having that knowledge and expertise of what to expect in the new world, like yeah. when, when he had that map, mm-hmm. the Swedish might not have known that or they wouldn't know the specifics because he was like, oh, no, I know where that border is because I made that border. I like, see. OK. So, yeah, he has a weird expertise. What a life. So he died at the end. Yeah, he died in a pain. shipwreck, which, okay. again, okay. very, very secret agent but wow very fun stuff like i said next week crash course on the or the crash course between new sweden and the new netherlands why we don't speak dutch or swedish anymore here in yeah in, in america you know why you go to ikea and you're like what the fuck uh-huh. is that word there but that will be next week it'll be a lot of fun uh i will say here real quick thank you guys all for oh un- yes. understanding the one week break sometimes you just mm-hmm. like we're in minnesota here it gets fucking cold it gets snowy your skin gets dry and cracky we just needed a week yeah but we're back we're gonna have fun mm-hmm. we're gonna continue it we're having a good fucking time totally totally so if you had a good time yourself hit us up on you know uh re- reviews mm-hmm. ratings sharing us around social media i'm currently taking a break off it i haven't been on it since like fuck december it was like one day to delete the app so I could focus on work and then just stay it off. <laughs> it's a good thing there, but uh, I'll try and communicate with you guys. But yeah, if you find us or connect through the podcast or the website, you'll find us Facebook, mm-hmm. Instagram, that kind of fun stuff mm-hmm. there. Again, though, we we beg, we love, we appreciate all the ratings. And if you give us a review, we'll talk, we'll shout you out here on the podcast Mm -hmm. uh that's the currency we've got to deal with for right now i wish i could give you something more but that's payola can't do that that's illegal (laughs) but yeah next week it will be a lot of fun uh it will be coming here soon i think on that Mm -hmm. note we don't make this shit up we don't make this shit up there you go finally got it right my name is paul i'm nolan and this has been the back Back row Row lessons. lessons wee you